Hello. Hey, everybody. Good morning. It's Bren. Kelsey. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. If you're new here, we are a true crime paranormal podcast featuring everything creepy. And Welcome if back. If you're new, thanks for joining us. <laughs> if you're not, thanks for being a faithful listener. Yes. <laughs> do you have any so. stories you want to talk about before we do our coffee review? Well, I was really excited because... Yesterday, I bought a bunch of new crystals for anyone who's they into are crystals. Fucking insane. I've never seen crystals like these ever before. They're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And it's not like the ones that you think of that are like little polished like stones. No, these are fucking massive. Yeah, I'll post some pictures of them. I'm so excited. They're so pretty. They're like, I'm trying to describe how big they are. They're like a, like if you, you can hold it in your palm. Like that's like how big it is. Like a grapefruit kind of. Or an orange. <laughs> they're huge, and there's so many different cool ones. You have to see the pictures oh of them. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I love them. Yeah. I'm, like, bl- I feel blessed that I now own that these That they're babies. in your presence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I told her, I was like, we need to get some kind of display for these because the world needs to see them. <laughs> they're insane. I like, they're the biggest and best things out there. They really are, no, though. I love them, I've though. never I really seen do. anything like the ones that you showed me. Another plug that we wanted to talk about today, actually, because we have the candle lit is, I don't know if we've ever talked about her store on here, but we have a friend named Chelsea. She has a store in Pittsburgh called Whiskey Moon, and basically she has the best candles ever. Um, we're obsessed. They're literally insane. And Chelsea knows we're obsessed. (laughs) We order literally, like, every other week candles from her. Oh my god. She just came out with a Mother's Day drop. By the time this episode airs, though, they'll probably all be gone because they sell out so fucking quickly. Yeah. But follow her on Instagram because it's her stuff is insane. Anytime she's even going to have a drop and she posts about it, we're like already like, okay, we need to be on at this time to text Chelsea to I let her know that we need this many candles. I literally set reminders. Yeah. Because I don't know. I, Same, I need to have it. The one day I took like a bathroom break at work in order to order my <laughs> candles. Because I'm like, I cannot be late. They're that fucking good. Some kind of sorcery goes into these candles. Her Instagram is whiskeymoonboutique. Or, I'm sorry, not .com. It's obviously an Instagram. Um, it's whiskeymoonboutique, though. And you need to check them out. Her website's linked there. It's shopwhiskeymoon.com. She's, like, a little, like, herbal witch. Like, she just... She comes up with these candles and these scents. Yeah. And... They're just incredible, and there's crystals in it's them. It's like stuff that you've never smelled before. Oh my god, it's Today, amazing. we lit the leather and lace candle, which is exactly what it sounds like. You can, like, smell a little bit, like, of leather, and then it smells, like, sweet and feminine yeah. at the same time. Oh, love it. I'm obsessed with it. I, I'm just obsessed with her yeah. and her store. We love Chelsea. So we wanted to plug that because Shout we Shout out Whiskey Moon. Shout out Whiskey Moon because we have her, her candle, her crackling candle lit today. And we got... To um, set the mood. My brother, my other brother, Casey's girlfriend, Sarah, into them too. And now she orders like $200 a She's month. She's like, stop telling me about the drops because I can't order anymore. <laughs> She's like, I have way too many. I cannot physically order any more candles right now. Even our niece, Ava, loves them. Oh my god, Ava is obsessed with Spellbound. That's her, she says it's her signature scent. Yeah. And everything has to be Spellbound for her. And she said one day randomly to me, imagine if my name was Spellbound. <laughs> She's obsessed. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, oh my god, it's incredible that we're talking about these kinds of things today too. Like crystals and Chelsea's magical candle witchiness because our episode has a little something to do with it. Yeah, I think it was perfectly timed. Not that we really planned it. (laughs) Yeah, we did not plan it. (laughs) But it's good. So let's get into our coffee reviews, then we can get into our episode. Yes, yes. So today we have another couple of Fable Grounds coffee. I'm sad. It's our last two. I know. (laughs) I I pulled them out of the box and I was like, damn it. I'm devastated. This is like... One of my top favorite companies that we've reviewed just because of their flavors are just so... I love flavored coffee, and these two are flavored again, and they're so freaking good. So, we have Athena Battle Brew, um, and that one, I'm just going to read a little bit about it. That one is a rich and full-bodied, this flavored coffee blends delicious with taste of cream and Irish whiskey. Okay. The perfect coffee to provide wisdom and prepare your battle, and prepare for battle like the goddess Athena herself. This roast is offered by itself in a two-ounce size or part of a Greek god sample pack. 
So check that one out um, on their website. Again, that's this is Athena Battle Brew. I'm preparing for battle because I'm really struggling today. I don't know <laughs> if you can even hear it in my voice, but I'm like, I, I did not sleep well last night <laughs> at all. Well, this will pick us up. <laughs> yeah. This one, so again, this is the um, taste of cream and Irish whiskey. And I read that little blurb from their website, by mm. the way. So do you want to talk about what you feel about this one? So... I definitely taste the Irish whiskey, like the hint, like that flavoring of Irish whiskey. Oh, yeah. Right? It's it's potent. It's there. Yeah, and I, um, I before we put creamer in it, I tried it black as well today, mm-hmm. and it was the same, same thing. Yeah. The creamer, made, like, made it a little smoother yeah. before it wasn't, I mean, it was black coffee, so yeah. it wasn't as, like, creamy. Yeah. But I like it. I... I think it goes down, it's not like harsh, yeah. but you can definitely taste it. It's definitely, the flavor's there. If you want a coffee that has like a good flavor in it, it's, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like you said, you can't, it's something that you can't drink every day, at least for me. Yeah. I, I have to, I'd have to like switch it up, but it's a good, um, different coffee as we say. Yeah. I'd like it mixed. I'd like to have it like mixed in there once in a while, you know? Yeah. Or like for like a special event, if you're doing yeah. something special for like friends or brunch or something like that. Yeah. This would be a good, um, different coffee to have people try. Maybe drizzled with some like chocolate syrup. Some whipped cream yeah, on whipped top. whipped cream. Make it into like a iced like, uh, blended iced Ooh, coffee. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can definitely smell the Irish whiskey as well in it. Um, we reviewed a whiskey coffee before. It was Jack Daniels, and I think it tastes kind of similar. This one's a little bit different, but you can definitely taste the whiskey in it. Yeah. It's what good. would you rate this one? I'd probably give this one a 7. Yeah, I'd say 7, 7.5. Yeah. It's a good coffee. It's very different, though. Mm-hmm. All right, the second coffee we're reviewing from Fable Grounds today is called Thriller Morning Buzz. Cue Michael Jackson. The graphic is fucking cute. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a little blurb about it. It says, need that extra boost of energy in the morning? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Morning Buzz is loaded with the flavor of roasted hazelnuts and a bit of added caffeine to help you run from those serial killers or just <laughs> jumpstart your day. This coffee is offered by itself in two ounce size or as part of the genre sample pack. Please note this coffee has added caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our coffee. Yeah. I mean, even like the fact that it's hazelnut flavored, this is our coffee. It's literally our coffee. <laughs> um, it's the, like she said, the graphic is so cute on the front. It's like a kind of like a bloody I mean, knife. It's really <laughs> it's not, not cute. It's not cute, but for in regards to our podcast, like, it matches very well. Yeah, yeah. It's cool though. I like this one a lot. Do you taste the extra caffeine in it? So, when I sipped it black, yeah. I definitely tasted that boost of like that you could tell there was added caffeine mm-hmm. and I definitely tasted the hazelnut flavor prior to Yeah. Prior to adding the hazelnut creamer. <laughs> I like this one a lot. Um I am a sweeter top coffee type of person though. I like um my coffee to be sweet obviously with the creamer in it. It makes it a little bit sweeter. Mm-hmm. But I like this I like this one a lot. I probably rate this one a 8.5. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I would give this one an 8. Yeah. Just cuz it's like a it's a good, it's a good coffee. coffee. Yeah. But it's one of those typical flavors. Like yeah. it's not like the Hades or like the chocolate truffle, you know, something different. Yeah. Which by the way, on their website, I cannot even get over the flavors of coffee they have on here. Yeah. And all the different ones. I'm definitely ordering there's one called Summer Court and it's coconut cream, but it's sold out. Oh, we are, yeah, we need that one. <laughs> there's so many good ones on here. So, if you need to check them out, their website again is fablegroundscoffee.com. Yep. Check them out. And just a reminder that we reviewed their coffees in episode 24 and 29 of our podcast. Episode 24 is where you'll find all that background information and everything, like an in-depth dive into them because Mm -hmm. we always do that with our first review. Yeah. Fable Grounds is the top of my list, honestly, for, like, best coffees that I've had out of all the ones. It's, like, my favorite coffees that we've had. Like I said, I'm absolutely devastated that this is our last round of them. (laughs) Literally, I pulled them out and a tear rolled down my face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And their Instagram 
for everyone as well is Fable Grounds Coffee and I actually just spoke to them the other day and they do ship internationally for any of our international Hell listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So thank you again Fable Grounds. We absolutely love you. Yes. Thank you so much. We're so lucky to be able to review your coffee. Yeah. And we'll be in touch because we're definitely going to be ordering more from you. Yes. The coconut cream. I can't wait for that one. Oh my god. Delicious. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay. So, So, grab grab your your coffee and have a morning with us. So, today's story, I shouldn't say case, is about Mother Shipton. And for anyone who doesn't know about Mother Shipton, listen in. I didn't know about her. I didn't either. I think I had heard her name mentioned before, Mm -hmm. just in like, like reading random shit, but I didn't actually know all about her. Like all the stuff we found come about. Is this just something that we looked up one day, or yeah, listener? This isn't a listener. No, we we looked this up because we were looking for a specific topic to cover to mix things up a bit. Okay, (laughs) but I don't want to give it away yet, so I'm not gonna say it. All right, so a little bit of background. Her name was Ursula Southill, and this is actually spelled a few different ways. Um, Some articles you see Ursula Southill, like Mm -hmm. compound word. Mm -hmm. Ursula Southtell, which is S-O-O-T-H-T-E-L-L, or Ursula Southill, so it's kind of Southill, but with S-O-N-T-H-E-I-L. Just a couple different ways to spell it. But as I mentioned, she is commonly known as Mother Shipton, and we will also get into why. And she was an English soothsayer, which was a fortune teller, and prophetess, so she was a witch. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> Mother Shipton was a witch. And she was born in the year 1488. Her mother was a 15-year-old orphan named Agatha Soothtill. And Ursula was born in a cave in North Yorkshire outside of Knaresborough. And this was by the bank of River Nid below Knaresborough Castle. And sources collected in 1667 and 1686 both say that she was born during a violent thunderstorm. Ooh, spooky. I feel like all witches are born during a a thunderstorm. (laughs) Was I? I don't know. We should ask. So I'm a self-proclaimed witch, though. I'm I'm not Wiccan. So... The woman who delivered Ursula spoke of a smell of sulfur and a great crack of thunder as she was born. Ooh. Yeah. That's a little dark. Yeah. So, according to legend, and this description, I think, is absolutely rude as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) People were brutal back then. Yeah, and this is just, I mean, even if this is true, you don't, there's a way of wording things where you don't need to be so freaking rude about it and, like, demean and demeaning to someone you know side note i feel like people are getting better at that recently yeah like people are being very body positive and it's changing like things are changing yeah i mean it's still we still need a lot of work but i feel like people are changing yeah okay so this is the description of mother shipton when she was born so yes they're saying this about a baby fucking rude (laughs) okay she was quote Massive, deformed, and ugly, with a hunchback and bulging eyes. As she was born, she didn't cry but cackled. And as she, <laughs> and as she did, the previously raging storms ceased. The cackle creeps me out. Yeah, a lot. and that if the can't... storm really did stop when the baby was like, <laughs> if that like, is true, like imagine an infant cackling. I would freak. The yeah, fuck that's out. creepy. But they didn't need to describe her like so meanly in as the other way. Deformed and ugly. Yeah. So that was a quote from uh, Wikipedia. Also, part of the legend that Agatha, her mom, mm-hmm. was charmed by the devil, therefore making the devil Ursula's father. Oh. So they were basically saying, like, yeah, Satan was her dad. Kind of like uh, Murder House episode. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to American Horror Story. Yeah. So another variation is that Agatha was also a witch and summoned the devil to have a child with him. And she was... Ursula was um, called, quote, devil's bastard and hag's face. Or hag face. So rude. Which, again, absolutely rude as fuck. And, like, cruel. Yeah. Fucking rude. Yeah. So, the it was a rumor about her father being the devil. But in reality, no one really knew her who Ursula's father was. And Agatha refused to tell anyone. 
She was forcibly brought to the local magistrate and still refused to say anything. So it must be something that, you know, that was that's personal for her. She doesn't have to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Agatha and Ursula were ostracized and lived alone in a cave where Ursula was born for the first two years of her life. That's so sad. That's a long time to be living in a cave. Mm-hmm. This cave was also said to contain a skull-shaped pool, which turned things to stone. And actually, you can go and visit the cave today called Mother Shipton's Cave, and we'll talk about the the pool later, but it's partially true. It's so cool! (laughs) (laughs) 17th century sources say that after two years of them living in this cave in the forest of Knaresborough, the abbot of Beverly removed them. The abbot um, is a male head of the monastery, by the way, in case you didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't either. That's why I looked it up. <laughs> the abbot gave Ab- Agatha a place in the convent of the Order of St. Bridget in Nottinghamshire. Agatha died a few years later, sadly. He also got Ursula a foster family in Knaresborough, which is so nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like somebody needed to come and rescue them from that damn cave. Mm-hmm. She never saw her mother again, though, unfortunately. From the descriptions of her, she had a large, crooked nose, a hunchback, and crooked legs. Okay, that's a little bit of a nicer description than what was said before, because that is just accurately, like, depicting what the person looked like. Right. You know what I mean? Right, and then people would see her walking around, and it reminded them of her secretive birth and that she was she was basically ostracized just because of the way she looked. She knew they knew who she was, um, because of how she looked, and they ostracized her for Which it. Which is awful because even like regardless whether she was a, a witch or not, mm-hmm. she was born that way. Like that, it's not something she could help. I know. Like those were those were like she was physical deformities. Yeah, that's awful that that's they were horrible. ostracizing her for that. Yeah. She was described as a strange but very bright child, as you'll come to learn. Her foster family and some friends accepted her, but she liked to spend a lot of her time in the woods where her mom taught her um, plants and herbs and the medicine properties of them. So she learned a lot from her mom by living out in the woods, and she took advantage of it. She also spent time near the cave where she was born. She used to go back to there a lot, even after she was into the foster family. Yeah. So, now we're going to get into some stories and legends of Ursula's childhood. Ooh. <laughs> There's a little bit more <laughs> in her adulthood, which we will also get into. But. Maybe we should practice cackling like her. Maybe later. I could try. <laughs> I think we talk about it later. We'll talk about it then. So, regarding her childhood, one story claimed that when Ursula was two years old, her foster mother left the house briefly and left Ursula at home. And when she returned, she saw the door was open and Ursula was missing. So she called the neighbors to help and they heard a lot. They heard a loud wailing like, quote, a thousand cats in consort. And as her foster mom was frantically searching, she looked up to see Ursula naked and cackling while perched on top of an iron bar above the fireplace. Let's I hope can't. this was not real. I fucking can't. <laughs> Could you imagine? I'm picturing like like a little naked child just like <laughs> dangling, <laughs> like all... <laughs> like that's terrifying. Ew! Her poor foster mom at that time. That be feeds my nightmares. Right. So there are some other stories that are mentioned about her childhood, but they mm-hmm. were extremely above and beyond far fetched. <laughs> so we didn't really want to include them in here because. Like, they, some of them didn't even really make sense the way they were worded. Yeah, I feel like they were, they were word of mouth, and they actually did not happen. Yeah. And they were, I don't know, they were just a little too far-fetched, and I feel like everyone would immediately turn the podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck this shit, we're not talking yeah, about it. Yeah, so if you want to look up more childhood ones, go for it. <laughs> anyway, moving into her adulthood. As she grew older, she began learning more and more about plants and herbs, and she was basically the go-to town herbalist, which is so nice, yeah. She gained a lot of respect through this job and working with people that she was able to meet, like, new people because of this. Yeah. So one of the people she met was a carpenter from York named Tobias, a.k.a. Toby Shipton. And when Ursula was 24 years old, she married Toby near York in 1512, And people in the town gossiped and questioned how he could ever marry her, which is also just really I can't even imagine that being your life. Yeah. 
They said he must have been bewitched to marry her. Fucking bitches gossiping about her. Maybe she was just a really freaking nice person, and she was obviously smart and was really great with herbs and creating stuff. Maybe he just found that attractive in her. Yeah, Toby fucking loved herbs. Come on. He's like, rub that herbal medicine on me. (laughs) Like... (laughs) cure me with your herb knowledge yeah come on so a month into her marriage a neighbor came over asking for help saying that someone broke into her house and stole a new smock and petticoat which also you're gonna talk shit about this woman but then when you need her help you're gonna go over and ask yeah she was known as the she was the go-to herbalist and yet people talk shit on her yeah so This woman came over asking for help, and Mother shipped in, immediately said she knew who this person was that stole her neighbor's stuff, and she would go get it back for her. She and her neighbor then went to a market the next day, and the woman that stole her neighbor's clothes basically waltzed (laughs) into the market wearing the petticoat and the the smock, and according to story, she danced right towards Mother Shipton and her neighbor singing, quote, I stole my neighbor's smock and coat. I am a thief, and here I show it. (laughs) (laughs) And when she was standing in front of Mother Shipton, like, by the time she, like, got to her, she took off the stolen clothes, handed them to Mother Shipton, curtsied, and left. That's fucking hysterical. Yeah. So Uh, she I I really hope that was true, because... She, like, cursed her, or... Or she was just, like, she had that power, The ability to, like, bring it out of her. Yeah, yeah. I can't just imagine that, like, her waltzing up to them with her clothes on, doing a little dance, singing, and then taking it off and leaving. Clacking her little clogs and being like, I And Mother Shipton's like, I told you. <laughs> she had it the entire time. Yeah. So, unfortunately, only two years later, Toby, her husband, died, which made Mother Shipton a widow. As if her life wasn't hard enough. I know. Toby, I feel like Toby would have been great. Yeah. Um, she kept the last name Shipton, however. The town gossiped and said that it was her fault that he died, which is horrible. Between dealing with the shitty townspeople and losing her husband, she moved back to the cave where her and her mother used to live. Mm. I feel like that cave was her safe space. Yeah. It's like her sanctuary. Yeah. There she continued to create potions and herbal remedies for people, um, and possibly casting spells as well, which I don't even blame her at that point. And I mean... Just because if she was casting spells, it doesn't mean they were, like, bad. bad. No, yeah. So. She was just magical. Yeah. And that's when she became known as, known as Mother Shipton because she started growing older. She never had children, but was known as this because of all the people that she helped in the town. So mm-hmm. she was known as Mother Shipton. She became more and more well-known, and people began to travel very far to see her and for her spells and potions. She became more confident and began telling prophecies as well. These prophecies started pretty small, and they kind of were just about the people in the town that she lived in, but they kept coming true, and I'm sure that was building her confidence as well. Mm-hmm. She It soon grew to larger scale, where she was telling prophecies about the monarchy and the world. You go, Mother Shipton. Insane. <laughs> in 1537, King Henry VIII wrote a letter to the Duke of Norfolk, referring to, quote, a witch of York. Um, It is believed that this is in reference to Mother Shipton and that even the King of England knew of her. Oh, my God. So she was a badass bitch. Everybody knew about her at this point. I'm just picturing Patrick Swayze and Ghost singing, Henry VIII, I am, I am. (laughs) She had to mention it to me earlier because I was like, what are you singing? (laughs) I was like, because we were, like, reading through the, the script, and she's like, I was like, it's Henry VIII, right? And she was like, yeah, you know, like, Henry VIII. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Second verse. Same as the first. <laughs> and Whoopi Goldberg's like, I'm Maybe not- you should be, like, singing that low-key in the background. As <laughs> you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so sadly, Mother Shipton died in 1561 at age 73. Mm. She was refused burial by the church... Um, so it was unknown, actually, where she was buried. I'm sorry, but absolutely fuck off. Why the fuck couldn't she be buried in the church? That is awful. So mean. Because they believe she was a witch. Like, like I mentioned before, I mean, uh, we are so open to any and all religions on this podcast, and any and all backgrounds at all, and... 
I when mean, you're like being exclusive and like I don't know hurting people in a certain way I don't know I just I'm not for that yeah and you can be a witch and not identify as Wiccan yeah or vice versa mm-hmm. and I mean a, Wiccan I, I look into all different kinds of religions just because I'm interested by it yeah. and Wiccans a lot of the time get a bad rep when really people are thinking of like extreme paganism and not right. Wiccan right. like Wic- Wiccan people are just very into like to sum it up like nature and yeah like ever like everything is a living and breathing thing and that's I mean granted that seems like how she was she was an herbalist and like right. into all of that very in touch but with it. if she wasn't even identifying of that like as that and even if she was, why couldn't the church give her a proper burial? I don't know. It's horrible. I hope she was at least buried, like, respectfully by somebody that knew and loved her. I know, but it's like, they don't even know where she's buried. I know. It's actually horrible. So, that was... Now we're gonna get into, um, prophecies that she told throughout her lifetime, which are fucking cool. So, so cool. <laughs> yeah. The earliest account of Mother Shipton's prophecies um, was published in 1641, which was 80 years after her death. The document of Mother Shipton's life was recorded by a young girl named Joanne Walker. She heard the story as a young girl and wrote it down as Mother Shipton spoke of her life. Aww. I am so happy that she wrote yeah. like, and took account of I all of this. I have the chills right now, actually. Me too. <laughs> She's probably like, this is cool as hell. I'm going to yeah. write it down. Yeah. According to most articles, Mother Shipton never wrote anything down or published anything, so there's really no way of knowing what she actually said or did, but, like I said, there was people that did write down their accounts of what had happened. thank God for Joanne. Yeah. Shout out Joanne Walker. (laughs) Since 1641, there have been more than 50 editions of books about her. So, it's kind of, like, an urban legend type thing Mm -hmm. where people have their own accounts of what happened. Nothing is hard fact- but these are what people experienced, and it was during her time. They witnessed it. Right. It's almost in a way, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not comparing this to yeah, another book of religion, but I'm, in my head came, it's almost like someone saying, like, gospel according to right. this person. Gospel according to this they person. They were their witness. Right. Yeah. Right. So here's one of the prophecies that she said, um, and this is a quote of what she had said. Quote, water shall come over... O's bridge, and a windmill shall be set upon a tower, and an elm tree shall lie at every man's door. So it's kind of vague, but it does give a lot of like detail into certain things. So the river O's was the river near York, and O's bridge was a bridge that went over that river. Initially, this didn't really mean anything to the townspeople. They kind of were just like, okay, I don't really know what she's talking They're about. They're like a windmill on a tower and yeah. an elm tree at the door. What the of every man. Yeah, what like, the what? How? Yeah. But soon, the town got a piped water system, which brought water across the O's Bridge to a windmill that drew up the water into pipes. The pipes were made out of elm trees, and the pipes came to every door in order to bring water throughout the town. Uh-huh. So, at first, you're like, what the fuck does she mean? Elm tree in front of the door. But, like, it makes sense. She's almost like the Riddler, where you have to, like, Solve figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a really cool prophecy that she yeah. made. Because even to her, she was probably like, I have no idea what this means yet. Right. Like, it's just coming to her, and she's like, okay, the bridge is involved. There's a windmill for some reason, and elm trees for yeah. some reason are, like, part of this entire thing. Yeah. And then that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> and she's like, damn. <laughs> she's like, Sam, I'm myself. good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she was cool as hell. Yeah. So this is another prophecy that she had later. It says, quote, Before O's Bridge and Trinity Church meet, what is built in the day shall fall in the night, till the highest stone in the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. Mm. So I'm like, now I'm like, when I was reading that, I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, how is the highest stone going to be the lowest? Yeah. So shortly after this prophecy was made, a huge storm ran through York. The storm took out the steeple on the top of the Trinity Church, and it destroyed a a portion of the O's Bridge, which was then swept away by the river. When repairs began, pieces of the steeple were recovered, and it was used as the foundation of the new section of the bridge. (laughs) 
So this is another quote. Um, this is a Wikipedia quote, but She's it so kind of good. explains it all. <laughs> yeah. Quote, effectively making Trinity Church in the O's Bridge what was built in the day and fell in the night. And the steeple from the tr- Trinity Church, the highest stone, be the foundation of the bridge, the lowest stone of the bridge. Oh my god, she was good. It puts it all together. I have a feeling like people that heard her say this were like, okay, what the fuck? And then it happened and they were like, what the fuck? They're like, she's a witch. Yeah, I think that's so cool though. But that, like something like that is, if you had pieced it together beforehand. Could have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like it could have been preventable, like it could have prevented something from happening or it was just a good thing to know and be aware of to be like, okay, everyone stay away from this bridge. Do not from be on this bridge Trinity, when it collapses. Yeah, in the Trinity yeah. Church. Yeah. I know. I think that's so cool. Yeah. So there was also a prophecy of Henry VIII and this is kind of a long one. So we broke it down line by line and yeah. it is so cool. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. So... Mother Shipton predicted his victory over France in 1513 in the Battle of Spur, the Spurs. That was the first thing she predicted about him. Mm-hmm. And then she had another prophecy regarding him, and this was what it was. Quote, When the cow doth ride the bull, then priest, beware the skull. And when the lower shrubs do fall, the great trees quickly fa- follow shall. The mittered peacock's lofty cry shall be... To his master be a guide, and one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. The poor shall grieve to see that day, and who did feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. Whoa. So, a lot of the time, Mother Shipton wouldn't see faces or names when having visions of, like, specific people, like, Mm -hmm. in this case... King Henry. Yeah. She would see their family heraldry, which is basically the family's crest or coat of arms. What a cool way of, like... It's symbolism. Back in that time. Like, that's what she had as symbolism. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. So, breaking it down line by line, here we go. The first line was, when the cow doth ride the bull, then priest beware the skull. So, in this case... The cow represented Henry VIII. I guess that was part of, like, his family heraldry. Mm -hmm. And the bull represented Anne Boleyn. So that, in turn, would, like, the cow riding the bull would represent the marriage of Henry and Anne. And that once wed, priests needed to beware. Ooh. And their marriage actually marked the beginning of the dissolution of monasteries, a.k.a. the suppression of the monasteries, which happened from 1536 to 1541. That's why the priests had to beware. Yep. And a little brief summary of this. I mean, most of, most of the time, I think people learn about this in history class, but if you, if you didn't... Or you forget. Yeah, or you forgot. During this, um, King Henry VIII disbanded monasteries... uh, convents and friaries in England, Wales, and Ireland, and he wanted to limit the Catholic Church's power, so many religious and secular priests were killed during this time for going against the laws. So that's why the priests needed to beware. She was right. Yep. So the next line was the, and I hope I'm saying this right, mitred. (laughs) I've never heard of that word. Mitred. Mitred. Um, Peacock's lofty cry shall to his master be a guide. So in the late 15th century and early 16th century England, King Henry VIII wasn't really making all the cl- all the calls when it came to things. Mm. The king's chief advisor, Thomas Wolsey, was really the one controlling policies and guiding the king's decisions. He was like the shot caller, kind of like Rasputin. That's insane. Yeah. Why the fuck do they all connect? Yeah. So if everyone remembers, Rasputin kind of did that for... Um, the czar. Yeah, Zar and Zarina. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. that they all connect that way. So, he, t- this Thomas Wolsey, the chief advisor, was actually often depicted as an, quote, altar rex, which means other king. Mm-hmm. And he was the son of a butcher or baker, depending on the articles that we read. And he rose up in, pow- in power, hence the mitered 
or Mittered, whatever, Peacock. Wow. Because he kind of, like, created that for himself. He rose from being this son of a butcher or a baker to being this, like, high person of power. Right, and he was, like, calling the shots. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) So the next line was, quote, And one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. (gasps) So, King Henry VIII did what no king had ever done before. He seized power from the Catholic Church and created the Church of England. Wow. Yep. And the last line was, quote, The poor shall grieve to see that day, and who did feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow. Riches brought pride, and pride brought brought woe. My God, that's a tongue twister. I'm sure she was like, I know. She probably was just like, listen, write it down as I go. So, basically, what this line came down to, King Henry VIII wanted to take control of all the land and property owned by the Catholic Church, Mm -hmm. and money stopped going into the places of worship because of this, and monks that had previously been, like, wealthy and been getting all this stuff from the church were now left with absolutely nothing. She's so on point. I know. It's scary. And then the poor also suffered because of this. They were no longer receiving anything from the monasteries, food or housing, etc. Yeah. And the wealth and land was being given, that was being taken from the church, and these poor people are obviously being given things by the church. Yeah. This wealth and land was now being given to the middle class and the nobles. Wow. So they were literally, like, getting nothing. That's horrible. And then the last bit of that line refers to the fall of the church because once um, they became wealthy and full of pride and greedy for power and they were like a threat, quote unquote threat to the country, that's when all of that got taken from them. That's insane. I can just imagine all these things happening and her being like, damn. She's like, (laughs) called it Called it. Told you. <gasps> Refer back to line three. <laughs> <laughs> she so, even made it rhyme and everything. Yeah. Which is good. So allegedly, the king sent messengers to hear her prophecies after. Yeah. Like, He's all, like okay. All happened. Now we need to listen to her before it happens. Yeah. And Thomas Woolsey, the advisor, was also the subject of a prophecy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he didn't like her very much. She predicted that, quote, Though he would see York, he would never set foot in it. While Wolsey retorted that when he made it to York, he would build a huge uh, pyre on which to burn her as a witch. (gasps) So he was basically like, oh, I'm never going to set foot in York. I'm going to make you burn in York. I don't like him. Yeah, and this was according to History, the Interesting Bits article that we have in our work cited. Mm -hmm. So Wolsey made it to Cawood, which is the outskirts of York. And he was arrested for treason, and on his way back to a trial in London, Woolsey became ill and died November 29th, 1530. So he, he literally deserved. made it right there and never saw York. It's because he was gonna burn Mother He was gonna Shipton. burn her at the stake. Not a good move, Woolsey. Not mm-hmm. a good move. I wouldn't do that either. So, next, um, I'm going to be talking about some other prophecies that she had. This is the prophecy of the end of times. And this was actually the most famous edition of Mother Shipton's prophecies. It included many modern events and phenomena. Contains over a hundred prophetic rhymed couplets. She was very good at couplets. (laughs) Something is now quoted, or sometimes it's now quoted in non-16th century phrases or lingo so they changed it around they a like bit to like modernize it yeah to make it a little bit more understanding i guess for us i don't yeah. know um it was not published until 1862 which is pretty recent compared to when she was alive mm-hmm. which it was actually more than a decade later charles hinley admitted that he had created the manuscript so he was the one that did it so he was like well so he kind of admitted that he he made a lot of it up yeah he created it yeah yeah which is not cool, not cool, Charles. No. So, it's a fictional prophecy based on Mother Shipton and her prophecies. Um, so, it's kind of building off of the, like, legends or right, like word of mouth that people heard and he built dramatized. on it. Yeah. yeah. It was published with different dates and countries as well. 
In the spring of 1881, families all over England deserted their homes. They slept in fields, prayed in churches for their lives to be spared. They thought that there would be an apocalypse from the prophecy, quote, the world to an end shall come in 1881. Ooh, so 1881, they were like, oh God, Mother Shipman like, said the world's gonna end. Shoot. <laughs> so they slept in fields and they prayed, but, but clearly that prophecy did not happen and they all went to the fields for no reason. Um, but, so next, in 1680... It probably didn't happen because that guy made it up and it wasn't even a actual oh, yeah, no. prophecy of It wasn't even in. of hers. Yeah. She's, like, rolling over in her grave. Yeah, she's like, what the fuck? Do not put those kind of prophecies under my name. Yeah, I didn't write that. Yeah. In 1684, Richard Hayde came out with a published book about Mother Shipton, but later admitted to inventing almost all of her biographical details. So... What? Why would he just make up a story about her life? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, it's not right. Okay. So, this is a book title, um, The Life and Prophecies of Ursula Sonthiel, better known as Mother Shipton, and that was printed in 19, the 1920s, and it was repeatedly reprinted. Um, and in that book, it predicted that the world would end in 1991, which, again, we're here. <laughs> we're thriving. We're alive. Um, in the late 1970s, published articles claimed that her prophecy was the world was that the world would end in 1981. So clearly, there's like contradicting, yeah. quote unquote, prophecies of when the world would end. Yeah. And who knows if Mother Shipton actually? I said honestly those. think that she didn't say yeah. any of them, and yeah. people just built off of it, and then I they don't kind know. of like spun her legacy into like a web of something more. Yeah. So. Like we had mentioned earlier, many of Mother Shipton's visions and prophecies came true while she was still living, but there are some other ones that she had made that were actually historical events that happened and that were have that have been predicted by her oh as well. Oh my god, I have goosebumps over my entire body right now. She that predicted these actually happened. These she happened. fucking predicted these things and like I don't know, like major events. Major events. So, she predicted her death in 1561, which mm. I would be fucking terrified to know when I was going to die. That's yeah, scary. same. I wouldn't want to know that. She predicted the defeat of the Spanish Armada in 1588, <sighs> the invention of iron ships, the Black Death of 1665, the Great Fire of London in 1666, London's Crystal ba- Palace, the American Civil War, like what the hell, <sighs> the French Revolution... In the arrival of modern technology, so for example, like airplanes, cars, and potentially even the internet. Which, okay, this woman is living way back when, and she's going to predict the internet would happen. How is that even like a concept in her, like it's not, it's a prophecy. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. And like even, even the invention of iron ships, like back then that had to have been unfathomable. Like iron floating in an ocean. Right. It was just so before the time. Yeah. And there's no other explanation other than it being a prophecy. Right. She was definitely a gifted woman, whether you want to call her a witch. Right. Or uh, just, like, a magical... Like, she definitely had a gift. She was magical as hell. Yes. So, moving on to Mother Shipton's legacy, because she left a lot behind. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, she left behind the story and legend... That's part of her legacy because here we are talking yeah. about her on our podcast. I hope we made her proud. Yes, I hope so. And I, Mother Shipton, I hope I come from a, a lineage of you. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> oh my God. Mother Shipton was my great, great, great grandma. <laughs> great, 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 great. Time, okay. time. So, uh, some also question whether she or the mystical version of her anyway actually ever existed. So... Obviously, she was a real person, mm-hmm. but people are like... Was she do, magical? Yeah, do... Are all these stories word of... Like, an or, like oral tradition passed down throughout the years that was kind of built upon? Right. Or did they actually happen? Right. So, her name has been associated with many tragic or strange events that have happened in the UK, North America, and Australia in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. Crazy. Fortune tellers use her statue... Like, if you go to a fortune teller, sometimes you'll see a statue of her present. They want her energy. Yeah. 
English pubs were named after her, and two are actually, according to the last article we read, still in existence. One is near her birthplace in Narisboro, and the other is in Portsmouth. I want to go. I know. <gasps> same. And a Mother Shipton character was used in early pantomime, and the Mother Shipton moth is named after her, which I did not know there was a Mother Shipton moth, and I, I looked it up. It's either. beautiful. Is it really? I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. Wow. The wing's pattern actually resembles a, well, the article said hag's head, which is rude. Uh, the typical witch face that people, like that creepy witch face that people see with the big nose and the wart. Oh my gosh. Which I guess they're considering a hag. Yeah. It's like a side profile of that on both of the moth's wings. Wow. Isn't it beautiful? We'll post a picture of it. That's so crazy. Yeah, so that's the mother... And like the the jawline. Yeah. (gasps) That's insane. Yeah, so that's the mother Shipton moth. Wow. And in 2013, a fundraiser was started to raise 35,000 euros for a statue of her in Narisboro. And October 2017, the statue sits on a bench in the town's Market Square. Cute. Yeah. As mentioned, you can visit Mother Shipton's Cave, a.k.a. Old Mother Shipton's Cave. And just a reminder, it's in Narisboro, North Yorkshire, England, near the River Nid. And it's England's oldest tourist attraction. I love There is the Petrifying Well, also known as the Dropping Well, and... This is the one that we mentioned that's, like, kind of in the shape of a skull. Yeah. The water is rich in sulfate and carbonate, and the mineral content is so high that artifacts, artifacts, sorry, may be put in the well to be petrified as a tourist attraction, so they actually do turn to stone. So fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah. I want to have something petrified. Me too. Oh my god, like, Harry Potter petrification! (laughs) What would you have petrified? I would say Petrificus Totalis. And I would throw it in the water. <laughs> okay. Not the spell. And I meant what no, object. I know. Okay. And I would do, I don't know, like part of me would want to do a plant. Could that happen? Some kind of plant. But I know. I, I don't know if it would like kill, kill it. it. I think it would kill it. And if you'd be able to pull it out. I, I think know. it needs to be something kind of big. And like a hard, uh, non-living object. Yeah. Maybe... Hmm. I don't know. It's I don't a tough know. one. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. Something cool shaped. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe something with like my family crest on it, since That'd she had like cool. prophecies of a crests. dead butterfly would be cool too. That would, like but that was a living thing, so I don't know if that would, would work. Break down. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody tell us about petrified. Anyway, yeah. Things. So this basically when you put something in it is slowly covered in layers of stone and according to their website a small teddy bear takes around three to five months to petrify that's so fucking cool yeah you can take a stone teddy bear home with you it's available to buy in the gift shop so Mm -hmm. i guess they just like randomly put them in and then pull them out and add them to their gift shop (laughs) that's so easy though yeah and you can also make a wish in the wishing well there's a wishing well this wishing well has been wished in for over 300 years. Lots of wishes. Yep. The wishing well water is also for sale in the gift shop. Wow. And they make it in different colors. There's like a dark pink, a ruby red, or a Kelly green that you can buy. <laughs> and there's also a museum of petrified items. One of the items is a shoe that was left by Queen Mary when she visited in 1923. That's so fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you think she purposely threw her shoe in? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's been, like, a tourist attraction for so long. That's so cool. Yeah, and they said, like, there's also other celebrity stuff on display that celebrities have gone there, done it. Yeah. (gasps) Oh, my God, that's so cool. I want to go. Yeah, and this whole place that you can visit is actually run privately by Mother Shipton's Cave Limited. Just so everyone knows. (laughs) Just in case you were wondering. Yeah. And we have our resources, obviously, that we're always going to post. But we have one that we're going to post that is the information if you want to go visit the cave and well. It's, like, the whole website for that. Just add that to our list of places. Oh, God. To our coffee tour. (laughs) (laughs) That Um, is the legend and story of Mother Shipton. Oh, my God. Uh, It was a cool one. I love her. She was an amazing witch, if she was one. Otherwise, 
an amazing person. yeah she made all these um like incredible prophecies and helps people medicinally with yeah. their herbs that's so cool yeah yeah love her so is there anything we want to end this episode with that we need to talk about i know that we briefly talked about spring summer merch we've mentioned yeah. that in other episodes we're gonna look into some today actually um just seeing what we can get and how much of it we can get um but for now we do still have shirts available for merch we have stickers available the mugs are sold out but we can always restock if necessary mm-hmm. um but like, i think we're gonna do like uh like a tanks and different yeah. kind of things for the summer spring we had also talked possibly about doing some kind of like tumbler or something where it could be hot or cold so then yeah. you could have like a summer drink in it as well i think that's a really good idea we should yeah. look into that yeah let us know um let us know if you have any recommendations suggestions anything like that yeah because we love you guys i know and we love that you love the merch that we have put out i know how cool i know we just sold a couple more shirts and we are going to repost i mean by the time this episode comes out it's not today but i'm going to repost today the amount that we have left yeah for now to offer you guys yes and i think that's about it yeah so until next week yeah we love you bye guys bye regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook